It is called a new and a living way. It's new because it didn't exist before. It's living because it's alive, but it's a new and a living way because this is where we're supposed to live. If we live here, this is where we can be found. This is where we are 24 hours a day. In the morning when I wake up, in the evening when I go to sleep, all the time, during the day, every time, every minute, this is where we live. This is the new and living way that Jesus has consecrated, and he says, this is the way that I've separated unto you, that I've opened up for you. Come live here. And as we live here, this is how we function in this place called praying without ceasing. This is how we operate here. How else can you pray without ceasing when you have all of these other things to do in the midst of the day? In the midst of the day? For to, 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 to live in this place of, of, of prayer without ceasing, it's more than an act. It's a place that you live. It is a communication realm. It is a realm where you live with a conscious awareness of God. It is a realm wherein you know, where, where you have this reverential fear and for God. It is a place where you're so attentive to God. You are living in this constant communion, listening for his initiatives, listening for his directives, so that you can become the executor of his counsel. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You live here. Say, you say I live here. We function from here. You are being raised up by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the power of God to live in this place. This is what the place that Jesus was talking about when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself. This is the place of rest. This is the place where, this is the place from which there is victory, continual victory, everlasting victory, total victory. Why? Because this is the place that is at the Father's right hand, that is far above principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which to come. This is the place that is far above every situation, every circumstance, whatever you can ever face. I like to use this phrase and say this and say this to believers and say this to myself. When we function from the position, that's when we can change situations. This is the place of victory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is the place that God had called for you and I. He had called us to from before the foundation of the world. Remember when it says in Revelation 4 verse 1, come up higher, it's talking about this place. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When Jesus says, come on to me all ye that labor and are heavily laden and I will give you rest. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, come on to me, I'll give you rest. This is the place of rest. In another place it says in Hebrews um, 4 and verse 9, there remains a place of rest for the people of God, the children of God. This is that place. What place? This place of the communion, fellowship, intimacy with God, Lord God Almighty, and even with the entirety of the Godhead. This is the place of prayer, intimate communion, and fellowship with God. Hallelujah. This is the exact picture of who you are and where you are. This is the picture. The Bible, is, the, the scripture says, now capture this. In, in Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1, it says, If you then were risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where? Where Christ is. Where he is sitting at the Father's right hand. Set your mind, set your affection, set your attention, set your passions on the things that are above, not on the things which are on the earth. Why? Because you are dead. 
and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life. So here is the picture. You are seated with him in heavenly places, and you function from here, from the holiest of holies, and Christ himself is your life. This is the very, is the very word, picture, so to speak, of who you are and where you live and where you are to function from. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. This is your true identity. John puts it this way in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. For herein is the love of God made perfect, that we might have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment. For as he is, not as he was, but as he is, so are we in this world. Oh, it is wonderful to see Jesus walk the shores of Galilee. Oh, it is great to see him put his hand upon, upon Peter's mother-in-law and drive the fever out. It is wonderful to see him raise Lazarus from the dead. It is great to see him take loaves and fishes and multiply it and feed a multitude. But that Jesus that we serve today, yes, it includes all that he did, but the Jesus that we serve today is risen. We do not know him after the flesh, but we know him after the spirit. We know him as a resurrected Lord, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We know him as our high priest. We know him as the intercessor that ever lived to make intercession for us. We know him as the one that has crushed the head of the serpent that spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. And that is the Christ that is in us. It is as he is, so are you in this world. You know, quite often we hear that God is a consuming fire. And many times we hear that and there is something inside of us that make us want to shrink, that make us want to think, oh, because of that image of God's judgment and the wrath of God, when we hear God is a consumer in fire, we think about ourselves being burned up and dying. But wait a minute. You have been recreated. You have got it. You are now, God has recreated you by the power of his spirit so that you are not an old wineskin, you are a new wineskin, and God himself, with all of his consuming fire, is able to live on the inside of you. So we are not to cower. He has not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear, but he has given us a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And yes, God is a consuming fire, but you and I have been designed as the temple of the living God for him to live on the inside of you. So you need to recognize that that consuming fire is on the inside of you, and you are one with that fire. Hallelujah. What am I saying? The reality of this intimacy, this place of prayer, communication, this new and living way, this is a very type and a picture when you grab it of who you are, whose you are, where you live, the power and authority in which you and I are to function. It was always God's desire for us to live in this communion and in this intimate prayer fellowship with him. Isaiah 43, verse 26, God says, Your sins and your iniquities, your transgressions, I have blotted them out. Why? For my own sake. What for? So that I can live with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, He has called you, called you into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what is absolutely amazing and magnificent is that the very, now listen to this, the very moment that you were born again and you received Jesus as Savior and Lord. Everything, everything, everything that God called you to is now finished on the inside of you. 
Everything that God called you to, you already have. And it is already in your spirit. Everything he has called you to. If he's called you to fellowship with him, then that fellowship exists in your spirit. This is why it says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. All things that pertain are unto you, to your life, and to the God kind of life. All things. Now, come on. The intimate fellowship and communion and prayer life, is that not important? Is that not something God wants us to have? Well, if he wants us to have it, grace says he's already given it. You've got it in your spirit. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We are called to a prayer fellowship. You are called, and you've got it in your spirit, you are called to liberty, the liberty of Christ, and you've got it in your spirit. You are called to the kingdom of God. That kingdom of God is already inside of you. You are called to the grace of Christ. When the law was given by Moses, but grace came through Jesus Christ. Christ himself is the grace of God on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So you got it. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are called to the glory and virtue. Well, you've obtained the glory. Jesus prayed, for, and he says, Father, the glory you have given me, I've given it to them that they might be one, even as we are one. So you are called to that glory. You have obtained the glory. You are called to eternal life, the very nature of God, and you've got it. Say, I got it. You are a partaker of his divine nature. How glorious. How wonderful, how amazing, how precious, how priceless that you and I are indeed blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, in that realm, in Christ, in your spirit. Believe it. Receive it. Take it. It's mine. I got it. Find out what belongs to you and declare I've got it. God has said it, I believe it, I receive it, and the truth of what he says is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path, and it enlightens me so that I do not function in darkness, but I function in the reality and in the light of the truth of the word of the living God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. God has given it all to you. Why? Why is he giving it all to you? He gave it to you because he wants you to have it. Amen? He wants you to have this intimacy, this intimate communion, fellowship, and prayer life. So if he, if he wants you to have it and he's given it to you, well then, I think it's a good idea to take it. Now let's learn how to function in it. Jesus died. He shed his blood. He was sacrificed. He went through all that he did, being rejected. What for? So that you and I can have all that God had designed for us from before the foundation of the world so that you and I can have this intimate communion, fellowship, prayer life with God Almighty. And as I'm saying, this is a state of being. This is the way you live. It is more than speaking, and, and it includes that. Of course it does. But I need to, but, but we're talking about praying without ceasing. We are talking about this new and living way where you live. Hallelujah. We function here. Now, here is the thing, wonderful and awesome as this is, the functioning from here, operating from here, is by no means automatic. 
We've got these treasures in earthen vessels. We've got this, the, 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 the wholeness, the blessing, the salvation, the deliverance. We've got this prayer life on the inside of us. But you got to draw it out. Philippians 2 verse 12 says, work out your, your salvation, your healing, your deliverance, the things that God has placed in your spirit, including this awesome prayer life. Work it out. How? By fear and trembling, by living in a place of deep reverential fear and, uh, of God and conscious of his indwelling presence. Hallelujah. By in this place of trusting and obeying, but it is a consciousness. It is an awareness. It is a submission to the truth of who he is in you. It is a submission to what he has spoken about you. It is a submission to what he has called. It is a submission to the reality of this realm wherein you are seated. Set your affections in this place. This is all part of that spirit of prayer, this spirit of, 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 of intimate fellowship, communion. The word of God says that God, when he, he pours out his spirit upon us, and he gives us the spirit of prayer and supplication. Isaiah 12 verse 3 says, With joy do you draw from where? From the wells of salvation. With joy do you draw out that prayer life. And God says, when you do, he says, I'm going to make you joyful in the house of prayer. Now, you've got all of this awesome stuff, and today we're focusing on that prayer life. That I, I mean, I don't know about you, but this is, it's kind of like mind-boggling. It just is a, it's such a shift of thinking to think that this awesome prayer life that God has dreamed about and desired for you to believe and to see that you've already got that prayer life in your spirit. I mean, it's like, how in the world could that be? Your brain wants to fight believing that. Because he says, I have difficulty. I've had difficulty praying. I've had difficulty waking up in the morning. But God says, I've given this to you. Now, I want you to awake to this reality. Because when you're awake to this, then there's a power that is going to flow out of it to bring fulfillment to what already is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So there are hindrances to functioning in this prayer life. Hindrances that come as a result of, of Adam. Hindrances that come because of this house of flesh that you live in. Hindrances that come because of the devil and because of the world and that resistance from this flesh nature that lurks and that lurks in your body. But the word of God says that we are not ignorant concerning the devices of the devil. We are not ignorant concerning the wise and the schemes of the enemy. So yes, there are hindrances, but God has given us the wisdom of God and the spirit of all truth that we can find those hindrances and by the power of the Holy Ghost and the application of the sacrifice of Christ, we can overcome them. Now I say overcome them, I didn't say remove them. Because you see, this is a walk all the days of your life. There are things that will rise up from the flesh. All the day of your life, there is going to be an enemy that is going to oppose you. All the day of your life, there is going to be the temptation to yield to the spirit of the world. But we can live above the world. We can live free and not give any place to the enemy. We can live in a place where we reckon that the old man has been crucified so that the very body of sin might be destroyed. We can live in a place where this body is presented as a living sacrifice so that those hindrances that are coming from the flesh, that are coming from the body, that are coming from the devil 
that is coming from the word that though we can overcome them. Whosoever is born of God overcometh. How? By faith. By the application of the truth of the word of God. By believing what is finished. Hallelujah. So these hindrances, but these hindrances must be overcome. And they got to be continually overcome. Daily. That's why Paul says I die daily. Daily. You got to live as unto the Lord, not as unto man. You got to live in a place where you know that you are alive to God. How? Through the blood and through the spirit of the living God. Because it is in so doing that you will be able to enjoy and walk in the freedoms of prayer. This prayer intimacy that Jesus has paid by his own blood and, 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 and life for you to have. To live in this place. And in this place, it says in his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In this place, he says, I will make you joyful in the house of prayer. Glory to God. So let's talk about overcoming these hindrances. Amen? Why is it important? It is important. Jesus says that in the world there's tribulation. And he said that uh, my sheep hear my voice. But he also says the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So the strange voices are out there. But we have got to silence them. We must not listen or respond to them. We are to walk by the voice of the master. We are to walk by the word of the living God. We are to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But in order to do that, you have got to silence those strange voices, those distractions. Why? Because prayer, it is the wonderful, beautiful fellowship and communion with God. It is the place where there is this life exchange. It is the place where out of this intimacy, birth can take place. But it is also a place of hearing. You are here to hear. You are here to hear. Say, I'm here to hear. Amen? You are here to hear what the Spirit of the Lord will say. You are here to, to see what God is revealing unto you. Jesus lived in this place. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do, and I only speak what I hear. We are to, we are to be in this prayer arena because in this place is where we hear, in this place is where we can see as God sees, and in this place is where we can come to that place of knowing that you know that you know. So that what it looks like, you're not moved by what it looks like because you know what is settled in heaven. You know what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. You know what he has shown you. Amen? Hallelujah. We are here. We are here to hear. We are here to hear God's thoughts. We are here to hear his voice in this arena. You see, it's a lot easier to hear someone when you're right up close to them than if you are across on the other side of the field. If you're outside the gates, I mean, it's, you enter the gates with thanksgiving and praise, and that's wonderful. But it's not out there that you hear. You hear in the holiest of holies. Amen? Hallelujah. You want to be able to be sensitive to the witness of the Spirit of God and have that responsive life to the witness of God. Have that responsive life to the leading of the Spirit of God. Having that, that, responsive, that responsive life to his instructions. Praise God forevermore. So uh, for the next little while, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, um, I will walk through a number of, of, of hindrances that we need to overcome. Amen? Hallelujah. In this realm of prayer. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, draw near. Draw near with what? With a true heart in full assurance of faith. What does that mean? It means draw near with a full assurance of faith. That means where there is no doubt, where there is no unbelief, where there is confidence, where there is no schisms, where there is no issues. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because you see, there are hindrances. What kind of hindrances? Anxiety, worry, cares, fears. What's happening? Yes, what, the voice from yesterday, concerns and anxieties about tomorrow. Sometimes even issues regarding today. Then there is environment and there's stress and there's conflicts and sin consciousness and feeling condemnation and self-righteousness, distractions. And all of these things are there to do what? Hinder you and you've got to silence them. You've got to overcome them. So let's, let's consider. Number one, and I hope I don't lose my countenance as I go along. <laughs> but number one, what I like to call prayer Committal prayers. I remember when I got saved and I was a new believer and I didn't know much about anything. And I would be, and I might have something to do and I would feel a little bit anxious. I didn't know how to, I didn't know what, I wasn't talking to anybody. I didn't know what to pray. And sometimes I would just read the Psalms until I feel better. I didn't know it, but that was my way of casting my cares on the Lord. That was my way of bringing myself into a place where I can be still and know that he is God. That was a way whereby, without realizing it, I was taking the washing of the water of the word to bring me into that place of confidence. But today I know a little bit better. There are specific things that we can do. Right? Prayer of commit, uh, committal prayers. One prayer. It's First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that says, Casting all your cares upon him. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So here you are, there's the cares, there's the concerns. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? And, and there's all these cares. What am I going to do about this situation and that situation? And these things are encroaching you. But the word of God says, don't be anxious. But in everything by prayer. Now, sometimes we tend to think that, that it says don't be anxious and pray so as to get rid of your anxiety. I believe it is saying, first of all, it's a command. Just refuse to be anxious. And then it is saying, it is saying refuse to be anxious, but stay in that prayer without ceasing. In everything by prayer and supplication, refuse to be anxious and stay in that communion realm with God. Because if you're in anxiety, then you separate yourself from that oneness with him. And the peace of God, which, the, the, which rules, is supposed to rule your heart, the peace of God, which according to the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in Colossians 1.20, has reconciled everything to God's original intent. So that the very situation that you are anxious and you are concerned about, the blood of Jesus has declared that that situation has already been solved. Grace is already provided. That situation has already been reconciled. And if you believe that, then you won't be anxious. So when you're anxious, you're saying you don't believe that, and you are thereby separating yourself from the peace of God. You're not operating in faith, but you're operating in a level of fear. Amen? So the scripture therefore says, do not be anxious about anything, period. That's what Jesus said. And, then, and, and, and even more so, don't take that anxious thought and say it, and plant it in your heart and plant it in your life. So do, do make that, that's a, something. In other words, then, to operate in this arena, 
of prayer and intimacy with God, you have to learn to just absolutely refuse to be anxious. Now, if this prayer realm that we are talking about is a place that you live 24 hours a day and you pray without ceasing and it says refuse to be anxious. It means your refusal to be anxious has got to be a lifestyle. In other words, you've got to come to a place where I don't care what happens. I don't care what freezes over. I refuse totally, period. I will not be anxious about anything whatsoever. But in everything, I'm going to stay in communion and in a fellowship with God and let the peace of God rise up and guard my heart like a garrison of soldiers. Our next, our next committal prayer is found in Psalm 55, verse 22. Now, I'm not going to rush this through because I know I'm not going to get through it anyway. So I'm just going to go as far as time allows, okay? All right. And you just get a hold of what you can and run with it and be a doer of it. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, no, no. 1 Peter 5, 7 talks about casting your cares. Psalms 55, verse 22 says, cast your burdens on the Lord. Release the weight of it. You know, sometimes you could be so heavily laden by stuff. I mean, someone might be going through a mourning situation where someone has died, and they are mourning. There is a pain, and then there is a heaviness. Well, it says commit. It says cast. It says cast those burdens. Cast that, release those heavy weights. Where? Onto the Lord. Give it to him. And he will sustain you. He will sustain you. He will uphold you. You know, there's a scripture. Now, this is a bit of a rabbit trail, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, which is in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14. 14, here we go. It says, the spirit of a man will sustain him in his sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? In other words, when a man has a strong spirit, when his spirit is filled with the word of God, with the life of God, when he has that strength in his spirit, what happened? It will sustain him even in the midst of trouble and in the midst of sickness and in the midst of pain. But on the other hand, when he has a broken spirit, and he's broken, then what happened? He becomes very vulnerable. Amen? Anyway, going back to the, um, Psalms 55, verse 30, 22. God is saying, commit your burdens, release them to him, cast it on him, fling it on him, give it to him, and he will sustain you. Now watch this. He will never allow the righteous to be moved. He will not allow your steps to slip. He will not allow you to fail. But you got to function in this. These, the word of God will not work for you if you don't have the right response to God's word. It's called faith. Faith is your responsibility. It is your right response to God's ability. And God's word is settled in heaven. But God's word will not produce in your life unless you respond to it correctly. I'm going to put it another way. The word of God, as wonderful and as awesome and as subtle as it is, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, will only work for you when you respond to it correctly. That is the reason why it says the word preached, awesome as it was, didn't profit them because it was not mixed with faith. So believe this, cast all your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you and he will not allow your steps to slip. He will not allow the righteous to be moved. 
You know, as I was pondering upon that, I, I thought about a few other scriptures that one of which I just was think this came up very recently. This issue of not being moved. Psalms 125 verse 1 says, They that trust in the Lord, they shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but it abideth forever. They that do what? Trust. Trust. There is this element of trust that is in all of the committal prayers. Trust. I trust God. My understanding might be telling me something else. My understanding might be saying this, look, this doesn't look good. But I trust the Lord. And what happened? He's able to sustain me. And then I'm not, I'm not going to be moved. I could be like Mount Zion. Like that mountain that cannot be removed but abides forever. Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have kept the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand. How come is he at my right hand? Because I've kept him always before me. My mind has stayed on him. He's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So when you keep looking on to Jesus, when you keep looking on to the word, when you attend on to the word, when you abide yourself to the word, when you keep looking at him, then what happens? He upholds you so that you, don't you so that you don't fail, so that you don't faint, so that you don't slip, so that you are in a place where you are not moved. And this is just coming out of where? This is coming out of the reality of just applying these simple committal prayers. God don't want you burdened down, weighed down, and filled with the cares and anxieties. No, he doesn't. Psalms 37 verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. There is trust again. And he'll bring it to pass. Proverbs 16 verse 3, commit your works. Commit your works. Trust them. Trust them completely to him. And he will even cause your thoughts to be established. Situations happen, happen, relationships, work situations, things happen. Situ what do you do? What are you going to do? I mean, there, there, sometimes there is family issues, sometimes there is concern, sometimes there is relationship issues, and you don't seem to know what to do, how to solve it at the time. Do you, should, should you walk around with the anxiety and be oppressed over it? No. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, that it says, commit. Commit. Say with me, commit. He says, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to what? Keep what I commit unto him against that day. But if I don't commit it to him, he can't keep it. If you don't commit it to him, he can't keep it. If you don't commit it to him, then you have it. That's, that, and all of this, commit. Commit the situations. Commit the environment. Commit that work situation. Commit that family situation. Commit your work. Well, I mean, don't be stressed out. Be at rest, not in stress. Glory to God. Anyway, that was number one. <laughs> Prayer, praying, committal prayers. So that you don't have those things there blocking and hindering your fellowship and your communion with God. Number two, I've said this, I'm going to just repeat it briefly. Refuse to worry and be dismayed or to be fearful absolutely refuse to in the name of Jesus. Glory to God, glory to God. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. But what is your part? Fear not. What is your part? Be not dismayed. Be re refuse to worry. Glory to God. Number three. Now, there are situations that happen 
Sometimes you could be in a hostile environment. Sometimes there are distractions. Sometimes there are other things. There is, there is stress and there's stuff that is there that is hindering you from being quiet, from being still, from coming into that hearing place in the Spirit of God. So what do you do? Cut it off. How do you cut it off? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing as on of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Everything is naked and exposed before it. Everything is defenseless before it. So you can literally, consciously, and intentionally, there are distractions, there is whatever happening, and you could say, in the name of Jesus, I just sever this thing off of my mind. I sever this thing off of me right now with the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and you can speak that I remember the first time I had an experience with that verse which was several years ago I was at an all night prayer meeting at a particular place and I hadn't known the folks then the Lord spoke to me to do a particular thing and I wasn't I did not feel like doing it I I was first of all I wanted to be sure it was God and even when I I became a little bit more sure it was God I, I had such hesitancy because I was young and everything else uh, you know, and I, and I remember I, I got up and I left the prayer room and I went off in another part of the building and I started talking with God and then, and then I was led to do exactly this. And I took, I said, in the name of Jesus, I sever this, all of these concerns. I sever these fears. I sever this, all this distraction. I sever all these thought patterns that are trying to bombard my mind. I cut them off with the word of the living God. And as I did, a quietness and a peace came, and then I was able to hear, clearly hear from God what it is he wanted me to do in that situation. Amen? And when you hear from God, there is power and there is grace in the very utterance of God. When God calls and when God speaks, there is power and there is provision to accomplish whatever it is he tells you to do. That is why it is so important to hear, and that is why it's so important to be in the place where you can hear. Amen? Hallelujah. So take the word of God and sever and sever negative environments, distractions, stress, and so on. And even word curses. Let me move on to that. That was number four. Silencing word curses. Word curses and accusations. People speak stuff against you. There are, there are, there are, there are people that, that grow up in, 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 in cultural environments where there have been curses, where there is generational curse, where people have said this and that about them. There are people that have grown up in an environment where some grandmother said you never monk to anything, where somebody said this or somebody said that. Somebody said that, you know, I mean, the, you know, I mean this is how your father was, this is how your grandfather was, this is how this person was, and you're going to be the same thing, and there is no hope for you. And those word curses can hang over your life and dictate your life. Well, you need to break the power of those things. Psalm 64 talks about that, where you can take authority over those words and chop them off. Take the sword of the Spirit and others declare every word curse, every negative curse ever been spoken about my life, my family, my children. I sever them with the word of the living God in Jesus' name. And I declare that when Jesus hung upon that cross, he took all of the judgment for every curse. It came upon him and therefore I'm redeemed. My family is redeemed in the name of Jesus. And none of that curse is going to light anymore in Jesus' name. Furthermore, Father, I thank you no weapon formed against us will prosper and every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, I silence it in Jesus' name. 
Those are, he can sometimes, in prayer, those things, you may not be aware of it, but it can hinder you. You don't know what people are saying out there. You don't know if somebody's doing some witchcraft activity with your name and burning a candle and whatever, whatever. You don't know that. So from time to time, you got to stop in prayer and just break the power of every negative curse. Break the power of any witchcraft that is against you. Because you've got the authority to do it in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost and by the authority of his word. God says, I've given you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, all right. You need to see it. I'll show it to you. Psalm 64. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Psalm 64. I'm just going to jump in the middle of it. Yeah, let me hear my voice, O oh God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity who sharpen their tongues like a sword and they bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Bitter words, bitter words, words of curse, words of damnation. And they shoot in secret at the blameless. You might not see it, but they're doing it. Suddenly, they shoot at him and they don't fear. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who is going to see them? They devise iniquity. We have perfected a shrewd scheme, setting up traps and schemes for you. But the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. But look at verse 7. God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Well, you see, they might be shooting the arrows of their words, but we have got a sharper arrow, which is the word of God, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Remember how, how, the, how the, the serpent, that when Moses' rod became a serpent? And what happened? A, a, a snake, whatever it was, and it ate up all of the snakes of the magicians. Well, the word of God coming out of our lips is a fire. It's a hammer, and it can break the power of any negative word spoken by anyone in the name of Jesus. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded, so he will make them stumble over their own tongue. The very words that they speak will come back on them, and all that will see them will flee away. What am I saying? I'm saying that here you and I, God has redeemed us and we can live in a place of liberty. We can live in a place of freedom. We can live in a place where even the curses and the strategies and the schemes of the enemy formed against us cannot prosper. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the right and the privilege that we have as the children of God. We are not to fear anything or anyone, glory to God. In nothing are we to be terrified by our enemy. Why? Because we know in whom we have believed. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We've got the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have overcome the enemy with the blood and by the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives even unto death. The accuser has been cast down. So you got to silence word curses, silence accusations, silence judgments against you, silence the accusations of the enemy. I mean, the enemy is trying, to, is trying to bring up your past, trying to tell you this and tell you that. 
It's not coming from God. God says, I will not remember your sins and equities every, anymore. It is coming from the devil. But the accuser has been cast down. He can't bring that stuff up before God because he doesn't have access to God as he was in the book of Job. No, he doesn't have that access anymore. He, Jesus says, I beheld him like lightning fall into the ground. Hallelujah. And I think it's in Luke 10, verse 17, 18. And in Revelation 12 and verse 10. The accuser has been cast down. And the power of Christ and his kingdom has come. Glory to God. And they have overcome him. Why? Because they love not their lives even unto death. And because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. So, silence the word curses, the accusations, the judgments. Connected to that is the curse that comes from the law. Self-righteousness. Silence it. Because you see, Christ himself is the end of the law. He is the one that fulfilled it all on your behalf. So that your righteousness is not your own. You're not trusting in your own works. You're trusting in what he has finished. By the faith of the operation of God in Colossians 2 verse 12, you were placed into Christ. And everything that he did in his sacrifice, he did with you in him. So that you are crucified with him, buried with him, and that old man is gone. You are resurrected with him, born again to a living hope and a new life. A new life that began in resurrection. All things became new and now all things are of God. You are ascended with him. You've been made to sit together with him in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. You, by his shed blood, you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been acquitted, you've been justified, you've been declared righteous. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And now, because of that sacrifice, you now have the very name of the Lord Jesus Christ as the authority in which you can function. You now have Christ in you, the hope of glory. The life of God is living on the inside of you. And you've got the word of God and great and precious promises to partake of his divine nature. Amen? The law has been fulfilled on your behalf. Now, you need to um, break any unholy agreements. Sometimes we come, in, we come into wrong relationships. Sometimes we make, sometimes we have wrong covenants and we need to break those things in Jesus' name. Anything that is not in agreement with God, get it out. Sometimes you come into agreements, sometimes people say, 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 say silly stuff and you think it's funny and you go ahead and agree with it. No, don't agree with something if it's not the truth. I mean, somebody tells you, well, you know, I mean, the way this COVID is going, it's just a matter of time, and I mean, it's going to spread all over, and for all you know, it might come into your family. No, don't accept that. Don't agree with that. Yeah, COVID is taking everybody out. No, it might be taking people out, but it's not taking me out, and it's not taking my family out, and it's not about arrogance. It's about faith. It is about the power and authority of your word. Don't come into negative agreements. Don't come, uh, uh, don't fall for that trap. The devil does that to people. Don't, 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 don't come into agreements with philosophies and, and political perspectives and traditions. No, you are in agreement with God and with the word of God only. So you got to break those things because otherwise when you end up in prayer, you could end up in prayer and, and you've, got these, you've got these filters over your mind. And as a result of that, your, your, your hearing gets messed up. You become dull of hearing. The scripture says in 1 first, first Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 about giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and having their conscience seared 
with a hot iron. Why? How could the conscience become seared so that it is no longer sensitive and is a reliable voice for the for the vote? It is a liable witness to the truth of God's word. Why? Why? Because they listen to wrong stuff. Because they yield to deceiving spirits. Because they go after stuff that is error. That isn't always very obvious. So you got to train yourself. You got to train your mind. You got to train yourself to only fellowship with the truth. People come and they bring garbage to you. You can hear it, but you don't have to receive it. Amen. Hallelujah. The scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. So don't come into the wrong agreements. Number five, remove limitations. Break unholy agreements. Do not agree with appearances. Don't agree with appearances. We are people of faith, not sight. Because you see, when you look at appearances, it will create restrictions in your life. I mean, financing. I mean, God is telling you to do certain things. But the finances aren't there. All of a sudden, you're restricted. You cannot believe God. But you got to don't look at those. Don't look at the, uh, what the finances that are and not available. Listen to what God is telling you to do and believe him. Believe that out of his voice will come the provision. I mean, there's a ram coming up the ticket somewhere. Amen? I mean, they may throw Joseph in the pit. And I mean, I mean how long was Joseph going to survive in that pit without water, without food? How long can you live without water? Hmm? How long can you be? I mean, his brothers threw him in the pit. But you know something? God knew about it. And there were already these traders, these merchants that were on the way. God knew about it and arranged for them to come and buy him out of slavery. And buy him. Isn't that right? God has a provision. Don't look at the circumstances and let the circumstances and believe what it appears. Because when you believe appearances, you're going to fall underneath the same deception as those that are without God. Which means what? When you go by appearances, it will create limitations. You are in the world, but not of the world. You are in the world, but you are not to, be, to suffer the limitations of the world. You have got the resurrected spirit of God on the inside of you. You've got a covenant with the Lord God Almighty, who is your sufficiency, that causes all grace to abound towards you, so that the reality is you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. But you are not, you're not going to believe that. You're not going to walk that out. When you're looking at appearances, you're just going to become like another mere man. But you're not a mere man. You've got divinity dwelling on the inside of your humanity. God lives on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So remove limitations. Break unholy agreements. Don't agree with appearances. They're going to restrict you. Don't agree with opinions. Now for me, I'm very sensitive about this opinion one. You know, so many times I've, I've, I've no, I, I can think of an individual right now wants to know what this person's opinion is. What are all these ministers? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And they have all these opinions. And you know what that does? That creates confusion. All of those opinions do, as if they're not the word of God, and if there's not truth, then it just sows a lie and a deception in your thinking. And now you're going to have to overcome that. Abraham considered not. Consider not, consider not the deadness of Sarah's womb or his own age. If he had considered that, 
Man, he would allow to have Lord, he would waver, he would doubt, he would begin to wonder. But all he considered is what God said, that God is faithful, that promise. He just considered that God said, I've made you a father of many nations, and before God he believed. Hallelujah. And he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb or his own body. And as a result, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. When you allow unbelief, when you allow lies, when you allow opinions, when you allow that stuff into your heart, then you got to overcome it before you can believe God properly. Amen? So you've got to be careful that Scripture says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. And I always say every man includes me. I'm not concerned about my opinion. You see, there's a thing, uh, we're not going to get there today, but one of the things that you got to do if to walk in fellowship and to live in this communion realm is you got to be delivered from yourself. You got to reckon the reality that you're crucified with Christ and it's no longer you. It's not about your vision. It's not about your dream. It's not about your thoughts. It's not about your ambitions. That none of those things matter. But you have now abandoned yourself to God and there's a life exchange that takes place where it is now his words, his thoughts, his vision, what he wants. Amen? What he says. My opinion is not, is not important to me. Because God says, let every man, let God be true and every man be a liar. You see, one of the difficulties that, that, that people that happen in believers' life that causes difficulty for them to get revelation knowledge and, relieve, and receive the truth is because of this fact. Every man being right in his own eyes. And because of being right in his own eyes, guess what? He is stuck in his opinion. And if God is trying to show him something else, man, God's got some work to do to break past that wall that, of his opinion, him being right. You've got to have a mindset where you are so hungry. You are zealous for the correction of the Lord because his instructions are the way of life. You've got to have this kind of mindset. Paul says, I, even those things that were gained to me, I count them all but down. Rubbish. Because I don't, all I want to do is win him. All I want to do is live in this place of fellowship. All I want to do is live in this place of communion so that I can know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. I count all things but lost. I forget those things which are behind. I'm not going to allow my history to speak to me because I'm pressing for that mark, for that call. He has called me into fellowship. He has called me into intimacy. He has called me into his grace. He has called me into this very sufferings of Christ. And that is my gold. That's what I'm after. So I'm going to lay aside any and everything else, including my own opinion, much less the opinions of anyone else. And I don't mean to sound uh, arrogant, but you've got to recognize that. I, I, I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I, I've seen it happen. Philosophies. Amen? You've got to be free from those things to hear the voice of God properly. Otherwise, the voice of God get blurred. You be hard of hearing. And you become susceptible to deception. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. And he only bears witness and testifies to the truth. He doesn't testify with anybody's opinion. Hello? So why should you? I don't know how this is coming over. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So don't agree with opinions. Why? They can bring the curse of agreement. 
whatever it is you're agreeing to, <laughs> and it can produce limitations. If the opinion that that person is sharing with you has some limitations and you agree with it, bam, those limitations come on you. Amen? Somebody's opinion, well, God can, God can heal, but not when it is some, not when the doctor says that um, it's incurable. I mean, a broken leg and so on and so forth. But when it's incurable, man, you might as well order the flowers. I mean, you know, God says the word, and then they'll tell you that, you know what? You need to, you, 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 I mean, you've done this and that wrong. I mean, you, you used to be a smoker, so now your lungs are damaged. And you expect God to heal you from lung cancer? And you might, and you go and you agree with that? You've set a limitation by agreeing with that opinion. But the word of God says God is merciful. And I'm telling you, God got brand new lungs that he can give you if need be. God doesn't hold you in bondage because of what you did in the past. God doesn't decide that because you are a thief, he no longer wants you to prosper. Or because you had bad eating, eating habits, he said, I'm sorry, you used to eat so bad that I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't heal you, and I'm not going to heal you. That's not true. But the point I'm trying to make is, when you go and you go taking people's opinions, the limitations that come with their opinions also come on you. You need to receive revelation and truth that other people have that are aligned with the word of God. There are ministers that have gone before us. And they have brought truth to the body of Christ. And we need to take a hold of their truth. But then we need to climb on their shoulder and get, and get more truth. The scripture says the word of God was given. Now that's not the one I'm looking for. I'm looking for Deuteronomy 29 verse 29. What does it say? What does it say? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. What do, does it say? The secret things belong to our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children that they may do all the words. You see, when I get revelation, my revelations that I got a hold of, my children need to get a hold of it, do it, and they need to go further than I have gone. We are supposed to go further than the Smith Wigglesworth, than the Kenneth Hagins, than the Oral Roberts, than the Billy Grahams, than the Catherine Coolmans, and whoever's gone before us, and whatever, and the, uh, the, the, the E.W. Kenyon. We are to get a hold of what they had, but we need to go further. Amen? But if you, if you receive what people have, and, they're, they're, uh, and you receive their error, and you go walking with their opinions, limitations will come on you, and you won't even know what it is that is limiting you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm talking about removing hindrances so that you can dwell in this communion, fellowship with the Lord God Almighty, creator of the heaven and the earth, the one in whom dwells all the riches of wisdom and knowledge. He shall So that you can be in such a communion fellowship with him that you can hear and he can take you and the whole body of Christ and those that you can influence to another place, to a higher end. So don't agree with natural perspective because quite often they are nothing more than an agreement with carnality and they produce limitations. And they can produce strongholds, imaginations, and high-minded things that will exalt itself against the knowledge of God. We are out of time. So I'm going to stop here for now, and we're going to pick it up next week. But as we do, let me just say this. We've only shared about four or five um, hindrances that we need to get a hold of. 
But the word of God says, you know, when we look into the word and we look, I believe it's in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 6. God says he had desired a kingdom of priests. God desires a people, a whole kingdom of priests, people that would live in such an intimate fellowship and communion with him that they might know him and he can make himself known to them. God desire that. God, it is his passion and desire for you to live in this communion realm. So as I'm sharing this today, uh, this today the words that I share will not profit you except you do it. You've got to be not just a hearer but a doer of this. So I want to encourage you with what you have heard today. Begin to develop it in your life. Begin to live in a place where you, you make those committal prayers to the Lord. You don't carry any cares and worries and burdens or anything like that, but you live in a place of freedom. I want you to make that take the actions to refuse to worry, refuse to be dismayed, refuse to fear. Don't be fearful. Take the action. Take the word of God and sever things off negative environments and break the power of negative words off of your life. Silence the curses. Silence the accusations. Silence even the enemy. Don't receive his accusation. The philosophies. Align yourself. Put yourself in this place where you can receive. Remove the limitations. Break unholy negative agreements or ungodly agreements. Don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. I'm going to ask everyone here, everyone online, if you feel that you say, Lord, I want to answer this call. You are calling for a kingdom of priests. I want to be one of them. I know I'm born again. I know your spirit is in me, but I want to be one of those that will operate in this priesthood, that would offer up unto you sacrifices of praise continually. For you have called us out of darkness that we might show forth your praises. And to be in that place of fellowship. Now if that's you and you say, Lord, I want to be one of them. Just lift, lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Let God see you. Because you see, he is able to keep what you commit unto him. If you don't commit anything to him, he's got nothing to keep. So I'm asking you and I'm encouraging you and I'm charging you. I'm beseeching you. But yet it is your decision to say, Lord, I commit. I commit to this life. I commit to this communion fellowship. I commit to this arena of prayer that you have invited me into, that you have shed the blood of your son that I might come into. Father, I say yes in the name of Jesus.